You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. Worth mentioning is that if you use the code PODCAST20A before the 20th of October, all uppercase PODCAST20A, you'll get 20% off your bulb order of all the things mentioned in this episode. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange with me, Arthur Parkinson, and my good friend, Sarah Raven. On this episode, me and Sarah are just going to have a really nice, jolly chat about our favourite bulb lasagnas, which is the best thing for us to do for our pots. Me and Sarah love to have succession of colour and form all the way through spring. I know we've already gone through the spring and autumn catalogues, but this is just going to be a really fun mashup of our favourite things that we're planning to combine together have a garden full of colour and lovely things for pollinators come the spring. Sarah, what combinations are you thinking about planting? Well, definitely always for me, absolutely imperative is to have a top layer. And Mm. my top layer in my lasagna this year is going to be alternating. I'm going to have in the very, very top Iris reticulata, alternating with a crocus called flower record. So each pot down, for instance, the Oast Garden Path will be alternating those. But also in that top layer, I'm then going to overplant the bulb. So the bulb will go in at two inches deep and then I'm going to overplant with plugs of salad leaves. And I'm going to alternate the red Mitsuna called Red Night interspersed with red frills mustard in one Mm. and then I'm going to alternate that with a sort of the green Mitsuna and parsley giant of Napoli in the other so I'm going to do little plugs of those as the absolute top layer and immediately below that I'm going to have the iris and then let's move on to tulips but why don't you give your version before we move on to tulips yeah I love the fact that you're doing flower record because it's such a good cheap crocus and so big and on a sunny spring day that's going to open out and have the lovely orange stamens and anthers for the bumblebees so I'm planting that too. I'm I'm also going for crocus but my favourite is orange monarch. It's a bit more expensive because it's a species one but it is the most gorgeous orange. I just can't resist it and I'm pairing that up with the foliage a bit like you going for veg as my, my toppers. The kale red boar that I've got a few seedlings of I'm feeding them like crazy with liquid seaweed feed to keep them going because they're really desperate to get in bigger pots now. But I know in late January, February, that lovely combination of the orange and then that lovely seaweed-like purple leaf, that's going to be really voluptuous, even though it's really early in the year. Great. So the next layer down for me in a really relatively small pot, it's actually in the perennial cutting garden, is going to be a narcissus. And this year, I'm going to go for a mix of the hooped petticoat narcissus, which I absolutely adore, which looks like sort of ballerinas at Swan Lake. It's just the most lovely, lovely thing. And I'm going to do that in some as my next layer. And in others, I'm going to do the narcissus called the nasty name of Zit, X-I-T. And It smells amazing. It's incredibly delicate, but it's in fact really quite robust grower. 
So that's going to be my next layer down in my lasagnas. And that will hopefully, with the salad leaves, I've got, I can pick almost straight away. So I'll have November, December, January, February. And then in February, the iris will come and the crocus. And then in March, the narcissus will come. But over to you for your next layer down. And then I'll move on to my bottom layer of tulips. You, you've made me like narcissi a lot, lot more than I used to. And I do plant actea and pheasant tie, but because they're white, I mm. tend to have them in pots on their own. So my second layer down is of, of hyacinths, hyacinth woodstock. Ah, yes. And like narcissi, hyacinths are very perennial bulbs, so they're worth the investment. I've got mine in the shed in a little wooden crate, all ready to go, looking lovely and fat. Uh, I like them. The older they get, the nicer they are, really, because the flower stems get less like feather dusters. They go back to looking like a little bit like a bluebell ancestor. So I like my old hyacinth bulbs. You keep them going and they get they get more refined as they age. <laughs> really, really great. And I've just remembered something that I just want to butt in with because mm. one of the lasagnas that I'm planting now has got a completely different topper. And it's actually the absolute classic, almost Buckingham Palace classic, which is forget-me-nots with tulips. And uh-huh. it was you that inspired me. And this is, it was taken from your inspiration from Debo Devonshire at Chatsworth, where she had this yeah. big bedding area of just forget me with tulips of incredibly flamboyant, sort of slightly shambolic, rather ducal glamour and grandeur. And the two that I'm going to put in are a green wave, which is a huge, amazing parrot with a bit of white, but it's mainly pink and green. And then I'm going to intersperse that with amazing parrot. So I've got the bright, bright, vivid blue of the forget-me-not. And then underneath, I'm going to put amazing parrot in the next layer down. And then the layer below that, I'm going to put the really tall and whopper green wave. I'm excited about that one. I can't wait for that. That's going to be such a good fizz of that blue of the forget-me-not in a pot. Yeah. can't wait to see that. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. Anyway, sorry, back back to your next layer, Dan. So you've got your hyacinths. I've got my narcissus. They're both for perfume. And then the tulips? (laughs) Well, it's really funny. Whenever I come to Perchill, there's always a tulip that, for one reason or another, I don't notice when I'm selecting my own bulbs. But the, the one from last spring that I remember picking and just loving was Artist. Yes. It's not subtle and it's not pastel, but at the same time, it's not really stained glass. It's it's yeah. amazingly Muted. in between the classes. Yeah. And so, uh, and it's a good height for a pot too. It's not too tall. So it's going to give your, your pot a good heart of tulips. It's very easy to just, you know, go a bit mad and you end up with just giraffe tulips and nothing under them. So that's going to be like my anchor for my tulip combinations. I'm going to put it with Palmyra, which is mm. my favorite tulip, I think, in the world. It's just such a peony like creation of of deep claret and very tall and elegant and i'm also going to have black parrot simply because it's got Mm. such a long presence in the garden as soon as it's in bud you notice it it's green and then suddenly it starts to go purple from the outer edges inwards and then eventually by late april it's it's fully out and looks just beautiful so i'm having those three together i think they'll look quite classy lovely um, and hopefully a good succession and height layer yeah, that sounds nice. I just wanted to mention about Palmyra and another tulip that I'm coming on to called Belle Epoque. But they're mm. both doubles. They're both these, as you said, peony flowered forms. And I'm really sorry if some of you have heard this before, but I just think this is such an important thing that I want to mention it. And I probably have mentioned it in past episodes. But 
the doubleness of both those tulips and any that's so-called peony flowered actually is where the petals at the middle of the flower are made from the nectaries. And so what that means is that the actual part in the center of the flower has mutated into being a little mini petal, but it means there is no nectar being formed. So it's not very good for the bees, but the thing about that is that it means it doesn't get pollinated and fertilized so readily. And so what we've found in all our trials here is these doubles, these peony flower ones, sometimes can flower up to twice as long as a standard single. And it is just that thing that because they haven't been fertilized, they haven't been pollinated, they've got to keep going to keep, you know, keep flowering to draw in the pollinators. So on they flower and on they flower, but they will in fact never be fertilized because they've mutated. And you don't grow tulips from seed. Well, you do some, but these ones you grow from little bulbils that form in the base plate. And that's one other tiny bit of science I think we're worth just mentioning which is to reproduce a bulb, you plant it near the top of the soil surface, so really near the top. And what you then get is a warmer bulb and it warms. And with that, the impetus to reproduce with little bulbils forming around the base plate is caused. So the warmth of the sun really uh, catalyzes that reproduction. Whereas if you plant a bulb deeply and it's kept more cool, and that is the point about tulips and lasagnas, in a pot, if they're deep, they're kept cooler than if they're near the soil surface. And so they're less likely to form tons of bulbils. And so they're less likely to go blind the following year. Because the problem is the little bulbils aren't a flowering size, but the mum has given up her starch and her nutrients to her babies. And so she also sort of caves in on herself and, and also goes blind. So that's another reason that lasagnas are really pretty effective because they plant the tulip bulbs more deeply. Yeah, and the squirrels can't get them as easily as well Yeah, because they're deeper. <laughs> Absolutely. And so any other tulip recommendations for combinations, Arthur, particularly? I've got, I've got a couple, but... Yeah, I've got a couple. I'm planting you, Sarah Raven. Oh, good, yes. Because nice. it's such a gorgeous burgundy. So glad you got that named after you. But I'm doing it in quite a, a loose lasagna because my pot toppers for this one are going to be GM's Totally Tangerine. Oh, so I've got lovely. them at the top of the pot. And then I've got Sarah Raven for the burgundy. And then I've got Recrest yeah. for a lovely blood orange uh, colour. And then classic ballerina. Because I've nice. seen at Perch Hill that ballerina and the GM Totally Tangerine are often if it's a good spring, they often seem to flower almost together. Mm. So I want that in a pot. I think that's going to look quite nice and effective. Mm, sounds but because really nice. the GMs are going to come as one need to plant to be the pot toppers, I'm not going to ram in the numbers of tulips. There's probably going to be, you know, probably 11 of each bulb because yeah. I'm not planting it for cutting. I'm just planting it for, for visual. And I know if I put too many tulips under the GMs, they'll, they'll be smothered and possibly lifted out the pot as the tulips wake up. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's yeah. going to be quite a delicate uh, layering of, of GM and tulips. Yes, but beautiful. So going back to my Oast Garden pots where I've got these salad leaves and then my crocus and then my narcissus, underneath that I'm going for a mix of three tulips, one quite tall and one more delicate and shorter. 
and then one somewhere in the middle. And it's very much concentrating on the sort of soft, warm palate. And the tall one, which is the earliest to flower, is brown sugar. And it has lovely scent and it's really early and it's pretty long flowering. The next one down in this soft, warm palette is going to be La Belle Epoque. And that's one of these beautiful peony flowered tulips, which is the color of milky coffee. And then one down from that, which flowers last, is a variety called Ridgedale. And I think what I'm hoping is that brown sugar will up and flower through the salad leaves and the narcissus quite quickly. And I can then deadhead that. But then I will have a lovely mix of Ridgedale and La Belle Epoque with perhaps some of the salad leaves hanging in there. They may be pretty ropey by then. I may decide to take them out. But I think just that duo of, of late flowering, quite delicate, as I say, Ridgedale, but Belle Epoque will be the main star of the show there. But I think that could be a lovely combination. And the point about these is, is they're all layered down in the compost with uh, four or five centimetres just filling, you know, just literally covering the bulbs so you can't see them anymore. And then the next layer can go in. Mm. We've missed out something that I'm going to do for a new layer with um, the top layer. I'm actually buying lots of muscari because I'm so glad you mentioned the, the need to have pots full of nectar for bees. So to try and make up for some of my sterile peony tulips, I'm going to have muscari as part of my, my bulb lasagnas. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if you've ever put them in as part of a lasagna. My worry would be that they form a lot of leaf. And, oh, okay. you know, whether I think in a mix they could get in the way a bit. I'm mm. not sure. Not not maybe the sort of more delicate growing ones like the whites. But I, I wonder, I think latifolium might be and uh, armonaecum which are the sort of st- the blue and then the, the dark navy blue and blue. I've just ordered 300 of those. Oh, have you? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Okay. Well, that's I'm very, you're, you're, I'm sure you'll prove me wrong and they'll be absolutely splendid. We're always trialling things, aren't we? That's yes, how we find out. That's things. the point is don't listen to anything Arthur and I have said or listen to a little bit, but make up your own recipes. And I suppose just to finish on that, how we both do it um, is try and find some time at a weekend or in an evening and get out lots of old catalogues and cut out the pictures that you've got from your bulb catalogues and then put them in these recipes. So draw yourselves lots of black ink pots on a piece of paper and then do your layers into it and make up your recipes, cutting out, making sure that the colors work nicely for your taste and the heights are going to work and the seasons are going to work. And then you just know that you've designed something. I mean, you could just go and buy one of the collections that we've, Arthur and I have put together over the years. <laughs> but what I would suggest is why not push the boat out and maybe create your own. But the, the basic principle is, weirdly, they don't mind if they hit a bulb over the top of their head. They just turn, their shoot just turns and moves and carries on growing, just like if they hit a stone you know, if they'd been reproduced and the mother bulb is to the left of a stone, but there, the, this poor, poor little baby, when she grows, when she grows up her shoot, she hits a rock or a stone. They just turn and make their way around the stone and almost always find their way up into the light to photosynthesize and then survive another year. And uh, that's the basis of how a bulb lasagna works. So really good idea of a late edition by Arthur on just reminding everyone what fun you can have 
designing your own bulb lasagnas and then planting them. And now is the time. Thanks for listening to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange. Next week, we're going to move on from bulb lasagnas to forcing bulbs, which is another thing that preoccupies a lot of time for us here through the autumn. And Arthur and I are both fanatical about things like hyacinths and paper whites and mascaris and the grape hyacinths. So we'll be talking about all of those things next week. See you then. If you use the code PODCAST20A before the 20th of October, all uppercase PODCAST20A, you'll get 20% off your bulb order of all the things mentioned in this episode. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahaven.com.